Welcome to the Crescent Podcast. I'm Leanne. This podcast is an extension of my personal philosophy and commitment to continual growth in all areas of life. I firmly believe that optimal health comes from addressing all areas of us as human beings, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Through expert interviews, I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. <laughs> oh, the starting is always the hardest. It's, it's always, like writing an essay. It's like awkward. You've just got to like get into it and then everything starts flowing. I know. But that first paragraph is so hard. Well, I wanted to check in from our last episode because it's so funny. We were talking about why do we want to do this segment? And by the way, we have the segment name, Curiosity and Cadencia, which we both, you contributed a word to it. I contributed a word to it and I love it so much. But I just have to say, as I was listening through it and editing it, I was like, Leanne, you were talking way too much. You're here to like develop friendships. And and for me, the takeaway was like, okay, but Leanne, this is exactly why you're doing this so that you can grow and become better as a person, as a friend. And so I just wanted to apologize a little bit for, I felt like it was overpowering and like I didn't inquire about you enough. So That's so funny because I felt the same way that I talked too much and by the way, way too loud and that I didn't ask enough questions about you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. Maybe we need to like take a poll and see what people actually think. Cause obviously we don't have a good handle on this if we're <laughs> both feeling not the same all. way. But I think this is the beauty of it. It's, this is, um, not structured and this is, not scripted at all. I think you come in definitely much more prepared than I do. I just kind of get here, <laughs> plop on the couch and let's have a conversation about the topic. And I think that's the way I feel much more comfortable and I'm not so robotic. Mm. Well, you know, what I've been struggling with for the better part of this year is some memory issues concentration issues and so I just know that I need to have some notes and I need to pre-think about some of this stuff otherwise I'll just be a rambling bumbling you know nonsensical person on here so all right so you be the professional and you know do your homework and research and I will come in and ramble with you (laughs) I I feel that way too I mean I for the most part I like to do the notes and the questions but I really want to take this time and space to just be myself and not have such structure because I've had so much structure in my life that this is really fun to just kind of come in and talk and um, explore and maybe I'm going to get better and not saying um so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well it was was, it was not ironic for me but it was just really funny because as I was editing it and thinking that like okay Leanne what the heck were you doing? It was like, okay, well, you said you wanted to grow. You said you wanted to learn. So are you going to take this and learn from it? And and I think I am, so. I do too. Yeah. I feel the same way. Okay, so I think last week's episode actually is a really good pivot into this episode because we were talking about being wellness junkies and wanting to buy all these products, but the emotional component of it was actually a really big part where we were saying, of the time when we feel such urgency to buy certain things, it's because of an emotional dis-ease that's going on beneath the surface. And so today we're going to be talking about the emotions and emotional vocabulary. But I think you actually can kick us off with this because it was your idea and share a little bit about what you were, I guess what kicked this off for you. And I know Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown was like a big Kickstarter for you, so... Yeah, so over the summer, I was um, in the middle of a huge corporate um, project. I was pouring 5,000 candles for um, a big company, but also working um, my full-time job. And I was listening to Brene Brown um, do an interview about Atlas of the Heart of her book. 
and emotions and the vocabulary of emotions. And as I was listening to the podcast and I was in the midst of this project, I realized that I only have a very limited set of emotional words that I would use to explain how I feel, which is happy, sad, and fucking angry. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we probably listened to the same podcast because, and in that episode, she was talking about how they did this huge nationwide study. Yes. And I think they said on average, the number of emotions people could identify were three emotions. And I think it was those exact three (laughs) emotions. And it just shows to show you if that, if, you know, through those studies of hers, that we as a society have such a limited list of, of emotional vocab words that are not serving us in any way. So I was going through and I was as I was like doing this project I'm like wow a lot of times my family thinks I'm angry but what I really am is xyz something else right and I started to really think this through and want to learn more on how to properly I guess explain to myself and to, you know, those around me, how I'm really feeling and it's not anger um, or it's not sad. And sometimes it's not just, it's not happy, it's content or um, this is truly joy or my happiness isn't really happiness, it's gratitude. Mm -hmm. So all of those things and how, or, you know, when I'm angry, it's not that I'm angry, I'm fearful. So I wanted to kind of just open up that conversation of how do we, expand our emotional vocabulary so that it could serve us in so many ways and then I also want to we want to talk about how the negative emotions could propel us to live out our best life I want to understand more how since having that epiphany a little bit of whoa I didn't realize maybe I was stuck within these three emotions What has already started to shift just in that? So for example, you were saying like, maybe I'm acting like I'm angry, but really I'm disappointed or disheartened. Yeah. And have you found yourself being able to shift the way you're portraying those emotions? Yeah, I think for sure for me. So the way I show up is like, I'm just angry. (laughs) (laughs) Default Diana is angry. (laughs) If my husband and my children are listening to this, they'll be like, yep, that's my wife. That's my mommy. Always angry. But I'm really not angry. Um, and I have to say most of the time, I'm not angry. Mm-hmm. What I am is frustrated, disappointed, scared, lots of scared. And so I'm showing up in, in the sense of understanding that I'm not angry and a lot of times I have to say that my anger is really fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I think one of the things that Brene even talked about, whether, I don't know if it's in the book or in that podcast, but she was talking about how it becomes this kind of cage that we're stuck in. If our emotional vocabulary, if we only know these three emotions, happy, angry, sad, we only let ourselves feel those emotions and then we only express those emotions or communicate those emotions. And so it ends up being this box that we feel stuck in and people start to view us from those lenses when reality, there's so much more nuance to it. But I think it's really interesting because that question of, okay, now that I understand this isn't anger, this thing I'm feeling isn't anger, I'm, the question I guess in my mind is, do you think do you think your subconscious belief was, I have anger and anger is expressed in this one way. So therefore, because I have anger, I need to behave in this way. But do you think that now you're starting to realize, oh, actually this feeling in my heart isn't anger. Is it super easy for you to go, oh, okay, I don't need to act that way. 
Or do you still kind of feel yourself getting pulled into the typical anger behavior, even though you've identified this isn't actually anger? Yeah, I think I'm still working through all of that. And I'm working through feeling like, okay, wait a minute. Am I angry or am I sad? Am I, is my anxiety at a high level right now? And that's why. So I'm catching myself on some parts, but I do get pulled back in. I do get pulled back in. Um, So my love language is action, right? So, you know. Acts of service. Acts of service. Um, Everything needs to be actionable in my house. So, so I get pulled back in if, if the access service are not done. <laughs> Clean your room, ladies. <laughs> and, and then I feel like I'm getting pulled back into that anger. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm still in the process. But I, what I really am just proud of myself is that I've acknowledged that my limited emotional vocabulary actually has affected me Mm -hmm. in my life yeah what one of the questions I wrote down that I think is very telling for all of us is what was the emotional landscape like in childhood yeah what were the beliefs about emotions what was the emotional modeling like for you well I'm so I'm Ecuadorian and I lived in a very, very Hispanic, strict, traditional household where my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my dad worked, and, you know, he was the leader of the house. But in terms of emotion, it really was those three things. It was happy, sad, or anger, and... It was either high level, like I am pissed off at you, you didn't do this or what, whatever, you know, my mom screaming because that's a typical Latina <laughs> to be screaming <laughs> at our children and, or we are very, very happy, happy, go lucky, you know, family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was, the, there was no real, in as I grew up, literally there was no other feelings but those. And so I didn't learn that disappointment is okay to feel and it doesn't have to be anger yeah. or um, it doesn't have to be such a high happy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We're going to get into this, but it's like, we're so opposite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which is great, right? Yeah. Cause this, this is what we can, you know. So by high happy though, do you mean like, like I, I, as someone who has a hard time expressing and stepping into hi happy (laughs) I don't even know what that could possibly look like are you like celebrating too hard yeah yeah like like it's you know I mean a high happy in our household and even now like even even in my own life high happy is like loud dancing singing just like if you know nothing has happened in your entire life it was so polar opposites and I think I've been that way where it's like I'm either super high happy or I am really I'm angry. Um, and I think that was really, really modeled in our home. It mm. was one or the other. That is so interesting you say that though, because speaking about our beliefs around emotions, something I've seen in myself and kind of identified this year is that I had this subconscious belief about anger that first of all, anger is a bad emotion. And secondly, Anger can only be expressed as a 10, meaning like Mm. loud, screaming, potentially violent, potentially dangerous. And so I think as a child, I was able to go, obviously, I never want to be a 10. So that must mean I can only be a zero. But happiness wasn't like that at all. Happiness was always something that felt even though I, of course, as a little kid, like felt joy and we were a very sarcastic family. So lots and lots of laughter, but not none of that high happiness going on, <laughs> at least not for me, where you're just like, no, I don't even think in my family. There wasn't dancing and singing and just like, what's the word? Unreserved joy, I don't think is anything I've ever experienced. And so but it's what I'm hearing from you is maybe there were some beliefs around that too of like anger is a zero or a 10. Happiness is a zero or a 10. Yeah. 
I mean, that's, and in our house, I mean, it was, it was that, it was either my mom was really pissed off at us and yelling or it was the weekend and we were having family get togethers and oh my gosh, those parties would go off and everyone was freaking happy, 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 happy. So it, it was, it was either a zero to 10 of those two extremes. Um, but I think the lack of, of emotional vocabulary as a childhood, I, I really feel like it affected me in life. Yeah. Well, and what I'm wondering is with this belief in our mind of it can only be this or this, mm-hmm. when you are actually in an in-between place, do you think that because you and maybe even your family and your parents didn't know how to reside in anything in the middle, it almost pushed them to be in those extremes more? Or when they were in that middle place, was it like kind of depressive and low? Does it that was make sense? I think the middle was always just neutral, right? There was just the neutral. Like, I remember my parents immigrated from Ecuador. So, and then there's their own generational trauma that they have. Um, and to you know, two parents that are so Hispanic and coming to immigrate here into America, having to get into the more American customs and ways, I think that my parents, it was always just one or the other. Um, and the middle was just neutral, like almost boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then that's probably how you're little brain that little child brain starts to integrate it is well this this neutral area is so boring I don't want to be here yeah and you know when I think about this it's like it's interesting because we in my life particularly that boring is not a bad thing boring is not a bad thing but for me it's like oh I'm so bored so let me go find the happy let me go I need the high happy yes because I'm bored right now but bored is actually and or being neutral is not a bad thing or a bad place to be at, actually. And you know what it's making me think is it's not even that you were necessarily bored, maybe, but it's that I'm not being stimulated. And I think this is the correlation between high happy and high anger is they're actually both very stimulating yeah. to our system. Yeah. And sometimes without realizing it, we're actually, we're drawn to that just because it makes us feel alive. Even if it's an angry alive, it makes us feel alive and stimulated and vibrant. Yeah. Whereas we might need to learn that, oh, <laughs> when I'm at maybe a five on happy and, or a two on anger, like I'm still alive. I can still be <laughs> vibrant in these areas. I, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, so it's so interesting. We are so polar opposites. Oh my gosh. Of how we were. Um, so what was your happy and what was your anger like in your childhood? So it's funny cause there's so many different, like it's the emotional landscape I think has shifted a lot, but in my early childhood, it was anger was a 10 very often. And then I think everything else was just neutral. Although I do know, I know my mom like took us to the zoo and like, again, like I said, there was lots of laughter, but I know there was also a lot of, there's a lot of generational trauma on both sides of my family. And I think I was able, even at a young age to realize my mom doesn't, can't fully express herself. Yeah. Even though, again, we laughed a lot. She was very verbally affirmative. I love you so much, all these things, but I could still sense like mom doesn't feel safe to just let her full self come through. And I think as a little child, I picked up those cues of like, okay, if mom doesn't feel safe enough to be who she fully is, it must not be safe enough for me. But I think the immense amount of trauma my parents both experienced, us as little kids experienced, I do think that brought in an element of None of us were super comfortable going above maybe like a five on the happy scale. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I remember very specifically throughout maybe high school and college, like I'd be in a group with people and we'd be laughing and I literally would feel like there was a clamp on my throat. Like I physically cannot laugh harder than this. 
even though, even though like in my heart, I feel that I want to just laugh unrestrainedly. There's something that's like holding me back from that. And I've definitely done some work around that, but yeah, I think I was in a very neutral place, but I think the distinction for me is internally, I was very aware of what I was feeling. And I remember, I mean, 10 years old, probably. I I mean, I was journaling from the time I was like Mm -hmm. six, but I remember, you know how sometimes something bothers you, but you're not sure what, but you just kind of get like an icky feeling in your heart. I'd remember that I'd like take my journal and I'd go sit out on the swing in our backyard and I'd just sit with it like, okay, I'm feeling a little icky. What happened over the last day, two hours, week, whatever it was, What's really triggering this? At 10 years old, like I was processing these This is why you do what you do because you already were doing this at 10 years old. Oh my gosh. And so I usually would, I'd be like, oh, I'd remember something that happened two days ago. And then there'd be like this resonance through my body of, oh yeah, that's what this is about. And so I think I was very aware of all the things I was feeling, but those things were not being expressed at all. And I've been told this and I know I knew it too, that I was incredibly private and did not share my hopes, my dreams, my fears with anyone. Yeah. And I don't think it's for lack, like my mom asked, she wanted to know, but there was something, and I know why, I know it's because of some early childhood trauma that created these beliefs that it's not safe to share what's on your heart, you're not gonna be heard. Even if you share this, nothing's gonna change. That kept me silent, I think. But I guess if I were to look at, okay, so how was that actually played out though? Like, how did that affect my life? I think two big ways. And the first is most of my life, I felt like, God, I just wish I had friends who really, really knew me. And I wish my family really, really knew me. But for the longest time, I wasn't able to realize that I was a big contributor to that because I wasn't sharing who I was. Um, because I didn't feel safe to. Yeah. And of course, no one can know you. No one can get close to you if you don't let them. So I was certainly playing a role in that. But then I think the other part of it was I didn't share my dreams and like those high, high dreams that I had. And so my mom, like we talk about, for example, soccer, and I wanted to play professionally. I wanted to play on the national team. I never told her that. I never told her that. What? And and she was like, I didn't, I never realized how serious you were about it. Now, you know, we did so much. I, I was trained every single week. I got a full ride scholarship to college, which was amazing. But I don't, she didn't realize that I wanted it to go so much further than that. And, and she even says like, if I had known how serious you were, of course we would have tried to get you on even better teams, even better trainers, whatever, the whole thing. But I think, so not sharing those dreams, those big, big high hopes and dreams has prevented me from getting the resources I needed to actually achieve those. And it also prohibits you from getting that high happy. Oh, 100%. You know, that's really interesting you say that because I do relate to that in the sense of I was actually very vocal on what I wanted to do in my life and dreams. And, but remember my parents were a conservative Hispanic family that were all about hard work, right? And comfortability, no risk. You just get Mm -hmm. a job, you do that, don't dream too big. And so my parents, I don't know, I don't know if they ever asked me what I wanted to do or what my dreams were. Now, of course they know, but I don't think I ever really vocalized, like you said, like, but with my children, that is the number one thing that we talk about in our house is what is your biggest dream? And then I am all in with her, Mm -hmm. with the girls. So whatever it is, right? Alexandra being an actress, since she was three years old, I was all in with her. Um, Mia is a competitive swimmer. I'm all in. And I'm wondering right now that because we weren't asked or we didn't feel that safe space within our childhood 
that we it manifested us and not saying what we really wanted to say um about our dreams and about our goals and how we were in that well for me it was that neutrality that emotion of being neutral mm-hmm. you know um because it was either angry or the high happy yeah can we talk about how though some of these negative or what considered negative emotions could actually benefit you or propel you to accomplish something to be more courageous and maybe get to that level of emotion that you want to be at so angry and go into more joy or happiness how do we use those emotions to propel us Mm -hmm. I love this question and you know and I'm sure much of my audience knows but I tell every single client emotions are not inherently good or bad and I think there's a lot of societal societal rhetoric around certain emotions that are negative or good but I do have to say I think coming from a very very religious background in certain religious sectors there are there is also rhetoric around certain emotions being sinful bad not good of the devil evil all these things right Mm -hmm. and so that's another layer sometimes that i think we need to work through a little bit but i look at emotions as communication from the body communication from our mind our heart our spirit that either something's off or something's up something great is happening all it is is communicating something to us and anger is one of the first ones that comes to mind that is an emotion generally labeled bad sinful not a good one and i think a lot of us tend to just we feel anger bubbling up we just shut it down and that was me like i said anger was a zero or a ten and so it always had to be a zero for me but anger very often is communicating to us that we feel we've been wronged we feel maybe we're being taken advantage of or manipulated we're in danger and anger can help create that protective response in us and so when we look at it from that perspective and go okay what is this anger trying to tell me about what is going on around me Do I feel unsafe? Do I feel like I'm being attacked in some way? But what happens is when we just repress it and repress it and repress it, that's when it can become potentially negative because then maybe we're having these really intense outbursts or it's creating so much turbulence within us that we get physically ill from it over Mm -hmm. time when it's chronic. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've, and I've been on both spectrums of, you know, using anger towards something good and then towards something that, like you said, the repressed. So definitely I feel like because my vocabulary on emotions has been so limited that the anger has been so deep rooted into my body that it actually became, um, I would out, you know, it would become more fear, more anxiety, um, and then we're and then having to work through that anger, which is really um, that I am scared, that I am depressed, that I am disappointed, and but I've also used anger, and this is something I wanted to share with you the other day. But I was like, I'll talk about in the podcast. Many many moments in my most challenging times, and I have felt anger towards the situation. It has actually helped me propel me to find major courage yeah and so it and i do feel like it has protected me 100 percent uh-huh in situations where i could give up on life or crawl under my blanket and never want to come out but i've used that i'm so angry at this situation that's happening in my life that i am going to make a change and I'm going to be brave and I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to find a way. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I have like both of those situations where it could be, it's so repressed in my soul that I need therapy about it. Yeah. Or I'm using anger to convert it into something that at the end is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what comes up in my mind as you're sharing that is 
one, if the subconscious is leaning on this anger as the only motivator, then we might need to do some work around, okay, can I also start to expand my mind to see that other things can also drive my motivation? Because I think this is this is something I've heard a lot before in various interviews and books is that oftentimes people realize the the drive and the ambition that they had was really rooted in so much fear and anxiety and trauma. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a sense of, oh, if I clear out this trauma and this anxiety, am I going to be motivated to do anything anymore? And I think 100% we absolutely still can. Oh, but sure. the fear of losing that motivation might hold us back from doing some processing that we need to do. But also the subconscious is always going to shy away from the unknown. Always. Yep. Which is why whenever I'm stepping into something new, I try to do just visualizations, literally like playing the scene out in my mind. And so like, for example, with you, okay, anger is so motivating for me. And by the way, that's not bad. That doesn't mean it can never motivate you anymore. But starting to play out in your mind a scenario where like pure joy was motivating you or loyalty I don't know there's so many different emotions but if you you might find like if you play out those scenarios more and more and more consistently yeah you're just going to start to believe that that is totally doable but I think the other thing that I wanted to say to that is 100% anger fear can drive us into action and in fact when we feel anger when we feel fear that is a sign like something is off. Something does need to change. Yeah. And there is a very real cascade of physiological things that happen. When we feel anger, we start to produce certain hormones. Things start to shift to actually free up energy for us to get into action yeah. and make a change. So I think if the more that we can start to see that and, oh, this anger is burning up. It's giving me a drive. Great. Let me use this energy that's coming up, but also let me not only rely on this one form of energy. Yeah. And I think um, what you're also trying to say or what you're I'm I'm getting from you right now is the acknowledgement that we need to make when we are feeling um, a certain way, angry, um, disappointed, acknowledging that that's how you really feel, I think is a really, really huge factor um, so that you can move forward into joy and happiness and, or neutral, because it's okay to be just content and simply mm-hmm. content. You know, the other day I was disappointed in a situation and I was in the car and I'm just, I, I was out loud. I'm like, I'm not mad about this. I'm just disheartened. I feel a little depleted. But once I acknowledged it, it was like, okay, all right. How are we going to change this? What are you going to do to make the situation better? Or how do you make the change? Mm -hmm. And I feel like just acknowledging it within my own body, like my physical, yeah, I'm feeling disappointed in this situation today. It's all right. And I went straight into action like hours later and... I have to, I woke up the next day and I'm like, yeah, whatever. And it I it was it's it's wild to when you can make that acknowledgement, um your subconscious almost is like, that's what I wanted you to do. Yeah. I wanted you to acknowledge it and acknowledge that your feelings are validated, by the way. Mm-hmm. There's all that va- sometimes we just need that validation. Oh, there's so much in this. <clears throat> I see this time and time again. Sometimes just the act, like you're saying, of acknowledging, of attuning to what's going on inside of us, sometimes that alone is enough to clear it and release it. And I think this has so much to do with inner child work. And I think many of us felt dismissed as children. We felt unheard and unseen. But what we don't realize is we ourselves are continuing to inflict that very same wound upon ourselves now as adults of not listening to ourselves, of not seeing ourselves and hearing ourselves. And 
I am so guilty of this as well. But I have to say it made a massive impact on my life, on my inner peace, on my inner joy. And I do exactly what you're saying, where I I call it emotional attunement, emotional acknowledgement, where I'm just like, I'll be driving in the car, just like you said, or walking on the beach and just verbalize, like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And I'll just kind of sit there and name as many emotions as I can that are coming up. And, and then whatever's left after that, I'm able to sift through now without all of this extra burden, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or the stories that you, you, you tell yourself, um, made such a good point on sifting through all of the emotional words to yourself, like 20 of them or what, you know, whatever you can think of. And then you get to like the right one. Right. And you feel like that resonance in your whole body. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. And you're like, that's it. That's for me. It's journaling. I will journal it out and, you know, write the different words. Um, and that is why like the Atlas of the Heart makes that correlation between all of the emotional words and that has really opened up my mind that, you know, but acknowledgement has been a big deal. And what I'm, that's what really I've been working on. I mean, with you, especially the last year. And I want to bring up the word dismissed. And you made this comment about how if you felt dismissed in your life or, un, you know, not seen or heard, someone did not. But a lot of times we're doing that same thing to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I am so guilty of that. And I may have healed from someone dismissing me. But then the, I asked myself the same question. Well, have have you continue to dismiss yourself. So that's that's when I realize the asking, the acknowledgement of I want to say daily feeling, daily. Oh my gosh, there's so much we experience in a day and you know how I look at unacknowledged emotions or just emotions in general is an emotion comes up and it's as if we've put on a song in the background, right? Anger comes up. Let's say we put on some Metallica in the background, (laughs) whatever it is. But when we don't acknowledge it and do some work to kind of soothe it, release it, whatever it is, it's like that song just keeps on playing. And then later on, we're feeling some sadness and then cue the slow piano music. And by the end of the day, within us, it's as if there's... 30 different concerts happening at the same time. And it's all of this noise and turbulence and dis-ease within us. And so when I think of it that way, I'm like, oh, I want to, at the end of the day, in bed, I usually like to do an emotional acknowledgement of like what came up today. And in my mind, I just go like, oh yeah, that like pang of sadness came up. Okay, I'm going to let that go before I go to bed. And it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm never going to think about that again. I'm not going to process it later. But just like that angst in my heart, I'm going to let go for now. If it's there again tomorrow, I know maybe I need to do some deeper processing around it. And it's in my mind, it's like I'm just kind of slowly turning off each of those songs that's playing to bring in that quiet and that ease. To bring that calm down. Yeah. What can we do to expand our emotional vocabulary. I love this. And I think that book, Atlas of the Heart, is amazing. I mean, that's exactly what she wrote it for. I think it's very approachable and actionable. And Brene Brown always has to bring in some kind of comedy. So I think that's great. I know. She's so funny. But you know, something else I was thinking about, even as we were talking is, and you mentioned how you journal and you're able to identify more emotions when you journal. Yeah. And just what it got me thinking about is if each of us can notice where, what does stimulate more emotional response from us? Is it music? Is it movies? Is it books? Journaling? Talking with a friend? And if we're able to identify like, okay, here's where I'm able to feel more emotions than maybe I normally do. We can go to those routes for like, for me, for example, lately, I've had a hard time tuning into sadness. And I think it's because I'm afraid it's going to be too intense for Mm -hmm. me to handle. But I know I need to process it and I know it needs to come up. So on occasion over this last year, what I've done is put on a sad song Mm -hmm. 
that I know is going to make me cry just to like, just to get that ball rolling. And I start crying about the song, but then it's like opens up those gates that were sealed shut where I'm able to go, oh, and I have sadness about this and this and this. And (laughs) that's, I mean, that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to tap into that. But I think especially because I'm working through some really deep stuff this year, that's a like little hack I've been able to use with myself. But I think with that said, if we want to expand our vocabulary, listening to songs, reading, watching movies and paying attention to the words they're using. I know for me, I do think my education and the books we read as kids really expanded my vocabulary because we were reading like old English C.S. Lewis Yep. 18, 1800s. And it's very complex and nuanced English. And I do, that's where I credit my emotional vocabulary 100%. So I think reading is a phenomenal one, but, but if you just want to, I honestly would probably point people straight to Atlas of the Heart. Yeah. Listen, I'm here for a good cry. (laughs) I am like you, I will put on a sad song or I'll put on a song that I know is going to hit that chord. Um, and sometimes that sad song will actually motivate me to keep going because I think about what I've been through and how courageous I've been in life. And then I'll be like, but a good cry. I'm here for a good cry. Oh, Always here for a good cry. And also too, though, you know, I can feel some of these emotions physically in my body. And for me, it has manifested in certain pains in my chest Um and I want to like talk, how do we, that's when I know when something's happening, mm-hmm. first of all. I'm feeling stressed out. I can feel it in my throat. Um, if I'm getting anxiety, I can feel it in my chest. Um, some people can feel it in their stomach. Some people can feel it in their legs. But that's how I, mine's all upper, upper mm-hmm. body. So when we have those pangs of feelings or, or those physical, the physical almost manifestation, right? How do we calm our nervous system? How do we ta- how do we talk about to ourselves the emotion? Like, what are we going through? How do we how do we make this better physically? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I almost always tend to start with that emotional attunement, and what that means is just what can I acknowledge what I'm feeling? Like we've said already, that does so much, and sometimes it's really helpful to imagine almost as if you're talking to a little kid. I do this mental imagery with myself all the time and I recommend it for a lot of clients because sometimes it's hard to give ourselves that love and attunement that we would give a child, right? When we picture our daughter, a little sister, whatever it is, we're like, of course I'll hear what's going on. So, but I also wanna say like, oftentimes these things happen when we're with other people and so, If you can take a moment to go to the bedroom, for me, the bathroom is my (laughs) hideaway. (laughs) Because no one's going to be like, what are you doing in the bathroom? You know, it's a great safe place to go. And I do this. I do this very often in social gatherings where something's coming up. Maybe I'm feeling, for me, like fear really manifests in my stomach. And then a fear of talking or feeling like I can't share what's on my heart manifests as that like closing of the throat and I will I'll just go to the bathroom for five ten minutes whatever it is and I always start with the emotional attunement and that's usually just a conversation in my mind or imagining I'm talking to little me and Mm -hmm. she's saying what I'm feeling and I do love some kind of somatic um, technique and somatic just means like movement of the body in the body. And so we've talked about emotional freedom technique before, which is an amazing, super simple thing you can literally do anywhere. But there's also, I really recommend going on YouTube and searching for vagus nerve stimulation Mm -hmm. techniques, nervous system support techniques, because there's so many different things. Like there's a little spot on the inner ear that you can rub clockwise And that sends signals to your vagus nerve that you're safe, that you can calm down. That's one of my favorite ones to do to just, and I will feel like the drop down of that anxiety or that anxious energy when when I do that 
vagus nerve exercise. So that's, I think that's like really such a good place to start, especially though, if you're in public or you're, it's not a place where you can like go do some deeper processing, do some emotional attunement and do some kind of quick somatic support technique to give your body physical signs that you are safe. I love that. And sometimes I think I, I just thought of this too, and I do want to add this in. If this is something that chronically comes up for you, right, that's a sign that there is probably some deeper wounds Mm -hmm. with some associated subconscious beliefs connected to those wounds. I'm not safe. I'm not heard. These people don't understand me, whatever it is. And so when things are chronically coming up, we know I've got to go do some deeper processing. But what's so wonderful is when we do the deeper processing, like, for example, now I know a lot of the things I experience are from a feeling of being trapped and manipulated as a young, young child. And so I know now when I'm in a certain situation and I'm feeling a certain way, I also will give myself verbal affirmations of, I know in your body, you feel like you're in a, you're trapped in a bad situation. And so I do that acknowledgement. I do the soothing techniques, Mm -hmm. but then I also will give myself the other story, which is you actually aren't trapped. This does feel uncomfortable, but if something truly terrible were to happen, you have full autonomy to leave this place right now. Yeah, that's so good too. Like that, then it comes back to that being able to have a choice. Um, You know, the other thing I wanted to bring up is do, because most of us have such a limited emotional vocabulary, I feel like shame comes up that we can't express ourselves the way we want to. So then it becomes just shame. Ugh, so, fuck shame. I'm I know. so fucking sick of shame. I, know, I I'm hate so shame. <laughs> and so I, it just makes me I've think as, so as we're talking, why don't we say what we're really wanting to say? Because then, but then it's like, well, if I say that. Uh, yeah. And then you're shamed. Yeah. It's twofold from what I've seen. It, why don't we say it? Right. And the thing about shame is shame is the ultimate silencer. When shame is present, we stay small and we don't say it, whatever it is. And that's why shame is so dangerous because we will just hold it in and stay quiet because we're afraid of a certain outcome. But why don't we just say what we're feeling? I think it's, I think it's two or threefold. One, subconscious beliefs around it's not safe. If I say what I'm actually feeling, I'm going to receive a bad response, maybe even a dangerous response, right? If you were abused as a kid or even being yelled at, like that communicates something to a child. So it's unsafe to communicate this. Number two, I'm, I'm unworthy. Like I don't deserve to say what I have to say and to share what's on my heart. But I think number three is just, I don't know how to fucking say this stuff. (laughs) And that is all about subconscious modeling. Like I genuinely, and this is an important part of the healing journey is, okay, I've cleared subconscious beliefs around safety. I've cleared subconscious beliefs around worthiness, but now I need to literally model to my subconscious what it would look like to do this thing that I want to do. Yeah. And yeah, I know. And I feel like for me personally, like doing this podcast with you has allowed me to just say my opinions the way I want to say them (laughs) without worrying about someone judging me on how I say things. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I feel like we're the it's the lack of emotional vocabulary or is all due to the fact that we're going to feel shame at the end. Well, and let me ask you this. Can you name someone in your life presently who could be a model for you of how to express emotions? No, you. (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is the answer for so many of us is because our parents had their own trauma. Their parents had their own trauma. And no one is being modeled. No. no one is being taught how to express emotions in a calm, safe way. No, I, I mean, I've learned everything on my own. I'm also putting myself into different modalities of healing uh, has really expanded my mind, expanded my vocabulary. 
But look, it's taken all these years to get to where I am right now where I can say, wow, I've been so limited in, in expressing the way I really, you know, and I don't know if it's, maybe it's expressing it verbally out loud in my head and my heart I knew. Right, right. But to express it to my family or friends, like I'm actually feeling this way versus what you all think is anger, I'm actually feeling this way. I'm just now in my 40s being able to say that. But I know that internally I always knew like for example when I was in my 20s and I was going through my um, divorce as a young woman and my ex-husband was moving on and I was not because I was a mother, there was resentment. But I wouldn't say that word Mm -hmm. ever. It would just be I'm angry, pissed, Mm -hmm. pissed. Years later, when I was going through my first rounds of therapy, like, you know, with with my talk, you know, talk therapy, is when I realized, oh, yeah, no, that's not angry. That is a lot of resentment that you're holding in your physical body. So I think I feel like I've, I've been that girl who knows the words, but is ashamed of saying it out loud. So I have to say that I don't really have anyone currently besides you, Leanne, and mm. maybe some other girlfriends where we're super open about our feelings that it are my role models and or help me get to where I want to get to. Um, but and I and I as a mother am trying to change that in my house. Yeah. And that my girls, as you know, my oldest daughter, she is way much better at acknowledging and expressing her feelings. She's so good at it. Mia, who's 10, is also extremely good at expressing her feelings. <laughs> so I feel like at least those girls are, they're in a better situation, they're better, you know, situation than I was. Um, and I try in the house, like, just tell me how it is. Tell me what you're feeling. Yeah. And we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. So. But we think about it, there's, I mean, I'm trying to even think of a movie where you could see someone, two friends or a husband and a wife sitting down and having a conversation and saying, this happened and it made me feel this way and blah, blah, blah. Like that's not something yeah. that pop culture is modeling for us. We are just perpetuating these old models of, you know, 10 anger, repressing all of our emotions, etc. Yeah. yeah. And this is why we're doing what we're doing here because this is where... You and I are both so curious about each other's um, life and curious about our friendship and in this, what we would call carencia, right? The uh-huh. safe space that we have, um, are, are in right now. So, yeah. 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 So one of the things we were talking about outside of the podcast is we want this to spill into tangible change in our lives. And so we were talking about, okay, that's great. We just chit chatted for an hour, but what is actually changing from that? So I think the question for both of us is talking about our emotions, talking about maybe where we are currently, what we're struggling with, what we'd like to do better. What is something each of us can take into the next two weeks or so and say, this is something that I'd like to try and shift or be more conscious of. And let's try and be like specific for each of us. Okay, so I have a really, really busy next two weeks. The next 14 days are super busy by the time I come back, you know, to record another... um, episode with you and I can feel my stress level rising as I'm speaking to you right now (laughs) of what of the things I need to get done and events I have to do and I am going to check in with myself on a couple things number one if my heart rate goes up I need to double check is this because Um, I didn't take my medication or is it stress and try to remove the the fear that something else is happening to my heart and do that emotional attunement every morning and every night so I don't do the night thing I am Mm. only doing the morning thing where I journal it I need to journal at night and how did this day go what was I feeling what didn't work for me Um, I do a lot of morning work 
Uh I am not doing enough of end of day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's really helpful because we don't want to take that into our sleep. We're going to be tossing and turning. Like it's so big to do some emotional attunement and emotional release before bed. Yeah. So I'm you com- will sleep so much better. Uh, uh, 100%. And I remember when I used to do it more often. So I'm committed to doing a check-in, not only in the morning, like I always do, um, and a check-in at night. And maybe if I get an opportunity is do a, a middle day check-in. Because, you know, that two to four, you know, time period where you're you're kind of getting exhausted and because you've had a long day or but you need to muster some more energy for the rest of the day, for the afternoon, for the evening. So for me, I'm going to try to do multiple check ins and journal it out, even if it's for two minutes, even just writing down. I'm feeling a little exhausted right now, but I'm but I'm but I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think for me. If I'm being really acute with where I'm at right now, like I said earlier, I feel I have so much sadness that I need to process that I have been dancing around for the last couple of weeks. And so I think I need to, first of all, do some evox sessions on the sadness to help it come up. Um, But I think because there's been such a well of sadness sort of hanging over me, I've also stopped doing some of my daily practices because it's like, ah, like I don't want to tune into that. I don't want to tune into that. And so other things have started to build up too. So I know I need to get back into my daily attunement and my daily emotional release. But I think the, you know, the bigger upstream root cause issue of that is this sadness that I need to do some deeper processing with and, and just kind of look in the face a little bit and, yeah, like tackle head on. Again, I keep thinking about what you were saying in our last conversation about how you're like, I am not going to let this be a reason. I don't pursue the things I want to pursue or achieve the things I want to achieve. And I think my, my history is that I get into certain emotional states and then I stay there for weeks, maybe even months. And they genuinely do become reasons that I am not making the progress I want to make in my life. And I'm I am so over that (laughs) and you inspire me so much to be like, oh, wait a second. Like I, okay, like let me tackle this head on. I'm sick of running away. Yeah. I'm sick of just going into freeze mode and dissociating from everything. Yeah. I'm, well, I know you're going to do amazing. Um, and I'm here for us checking in with ourselves on a daily basis. And I just have to say that we cannot leave this earth without having done the things that we want to do in life. And you motivate me with this podcast and to keep going and to keep pursuing the other dreams that I have. Mm -hmm. But what I say to you um, is that even with all of our past trauma, our, you know, my PTSD, you know, generational trauma that we all carry, that doesn't mean that we cannot fulfill every single goal that we've had in our head and just go with it. Listen, we're going to do it scared, but we deserve to have that high happy. Mm-hmm. And we're so worthy of it. But this little work that we're going to, you know, that we're due, like the emotional attunements daily, maybe sometimes three times a day, stepping into sadness. First of all, there's nothing wrong with it, stepping into sadness. Once you can tap into that, what's going to come after that is going to be just gorgeous and beautiful. So um, I'm here for for what we're going to do. So I can't wait to see where we're at in two weeks. <laughs> honestly, honestly, because when I clear some stuff out, yeah, it's like I've just unloaded 20 pounds of weight, and now oh, yeah. I sprinting is like no problem. Yeah, because I don't have all this weight on me. No, I it's know. so it's true. Time, it's it, I feel like it's almost time to acknowledge certain things in our life and like you said that are not right or wrong emotions are there's no right or wrong but if we can get through the acknowledgement and then go to sleep with maybe reframing you know some of those thoughts of the day and going to sleep dreaming big again Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. where our bodies and our subconscious are going to just be free yeah oh 
Well, I said this last time when we were done recording, but these conversations just leave me feeling so recharged, so excited and on fire about life again. So yeah, me too. Thank you so much. This was such a, such a blast. I know me too. So until next time, guys, again, please reach out. Let us know what's resonating, what's not, what is inspiring you. It would just be so cool to hear from you guys about how you're feeling about this segment we're doing. And and maybe what are you doing in your life that um, is actionable um, and how you're emotionally attuning on a daily basis? What are your your tools? I want to know what tools everyone else is using out there because I could use always another tool in my toolbox. Totally, totally. And if you're dealing with some sadness right now, just shoot me a DM. We'll we'll be on that sad train together. (laughs) 